This is Marissa Broderon from Athens, Georgia, and I never listen to Dollamore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. Everybody, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining us. Episode 471 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I'm your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I'm joined by ye old other host, the lovely, talented, and scholarly. Do not forget the scholarly. Brittany Page, everybody. <laughs> wow. Sometimes I just don't know what to... <laughs> What's coming? Yeah, I don't know what you're up to. Uh, I feel very rested. You I do. Feel energetic, maybe. Why? Why? Wow. <laughs> what did What did you do to make that happen? Well, it just seems that that we we rested a little bit this weekend. Yeah. Maybe more. We still we really don't get days off, mm-hmm. but <laughs> yeah. but uh, it seemed like I took m- multiple naps. That's a good thing. This weekend. Yeah. Saturday was a nap-rich environment. Perfect. The, and then, as life should be. Yeah, and then today, Sunday, mm-hmm. was also... Nap-rich. Took a nap when there was no need for a nap, <laughs> which <laughs> there, seems good. There's always a need for a nap. You, on the other hand, seemed... Not seemed, past tense. You're, well, you're always in a state of frazz, meaning frazzled. Well, that's not fair. No, I no, think no, I don't mean negatively. You're just... You always have shit on your mind. You also are still, you've got goals and you've got uh, objectives and you've got deadlines and you got things going on. But also, guess what? Life is now. Don't you remember? Life is now. And I've, I'm living it. And the nap, <laughs> nap's not now. Nap was like, you know, an hour and a half ago. Yeah, I'm taking time to take naps as well. But yeah, I have a big, I have a big exam coming up um, because I have to... I have to take an exam uh, in order to renew my my therapy um, credentials. Yeah, credentials. Thank you. Um, and so I'm I'm spending a lot of time immersing myself in that because that is coming up. You so, are too. It is. Yeah. Well, that's what you have to do. <laughs> <laughs> There's no certification for me. Being a dumbass on on the YouTube and on a podcast. There's no licensing. There's no certification. Well, they should make something. Something that you could like print off. Nah. Print off yourself and... You mean like when I got ordained to to marry my best friend and his wife? Yeah. Or just you go and just put your email in and they email you back a certificate. Exactly. (laughs) Or when I was a kid, I was obsessed with these books called Grossology. I know. Shocking. And they talked all about germs and like grain weevils (laughs) and everything that now 
I talk about at parties. Um, the, all the things <laughs> that you feel attacked by in yeah. your regular life now, mm-hmm. you were learning about as a child. Correct. And you could actually go on and take a quiz and get a certificate. And I had all of the certificates. I bet. Were they framed and hung in your room with care? No, because I was poor, but I did have them. You need a money to have a printer and it, ink. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I did have them. They were just not framed. They were saved. Yeah. Uh, as, a, as an electronic file. Yeah, I did not keep them. Don't know where they are. Hmm. Sad day. You grew out of them. You grew out of thinking they were important. <laughs> yeah. Or you grew into realizing they were fake as fuck. Well, I don't know. I, I'm trying to remember now because grossology and if someone else read these books i'd really love to hear from you because i really kindred spirits yeah i haven't met anyone else that that knows about them whenever i talk about them i always have to explain what they are but it really you mean at at the parties (laughs) exactly (laughs) um it always went into details about all these different types of germs and like zits and you could get these qualifications about knowing about all of these types of things you would take quizzes to get the certification so i you know knew all about grain weevils and and germs wow and uh that, that explains a lot about what happened here you you far more nerdy than i once believed uh yeah i just i just like uh knowledge i think that's that's it is that is that it yeah that's what it comes down to you do too we all do, love so knowledge do you believe, we're lovers do you of knowledge believe, here do you believe that you are a to this day mm-hmm. a grossologist no why would no you are a certified grossologist by your by your own admission you just said you got all the certificates yeah, from but- the grossology book. We're talking about science here. It's science. <laughs> no, it's not. It had like a fake vomit splatter on the front of the book. I remember mm. it was like a plastic thing that you could you could rub all the chunks in the vomit on the cover of the book. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty intense. Pretty intense, you guys. I well, wonder if it still exists. I don't know. This went off the rails. Yeah, sorry. Real quick. (laughs) Real quick. Yeah. Anyway, back to more important things. Yeah. Well, you're well rested. Let's. I am well rested, and it's been a good weekend. Um, You ready to take the week by the horns? (laughs) By taking the week by the horns. Ready to do work every day. Yeah. You know. Well, every day is work anyway. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that's what I'm saying. We're either planning for the show, or I'm writing for YouTube. You know, whatever. It's you know. the grind. It's it's what it is. Life. So it's just nice when you get a couple extra winks and mm-hmm. things are good timing. Yeah. So let's let's get to a little feedback, a little listener feedback, a little listener communication. We talked about multiple topics last week. One was the death of uh, former President George H. W. Bush, Herbert Walker Bush, and uh, some people had some things to say about the things that we slash more specifically I set we got a message from reyna reyna said hey jesse and Brittany, i wanted to give my thoughts on the life and legacy of the late president george hw bush from what i can recall of him i was struck that he appeared to be a fundamentally good and decent person with respect for the office he held and its responsibilities unlike someone else that we know and loathe however i do agree that when assessing a person's life we must evaluate the totality of it In totality, 41 was an honorable man attempting his level best to constantly achieve utilitarianism. 
I understand those who take issue with his non-response to the AIDS epidemic of the 1980s and the 1990s. At the time, in dealing with the crisis, there was not much known about the disease and ambiguity as to the solutions needed to resolve it. Do I think it was the correct response to do nothing because you may not know or understand what needs to be done? Absolutely not. I find that American presidents have the unenviable task of trying to achieve good for all with the decisions for their action or non-action being critiqued in hindsight. Presidents must make the best decision they can at the time, which the passage of time may or may not prove correct. My point is ultimately people are imperfect and complicated. They fall short of the expectations. But who among us has not? I understand that we hold our leaders to a higher standard, but can we honestly hold leaders to a standard of perfection? a standard that we could not achieve ourselves. I think we would all benefit from understanding that people are flawed and do not always act as they should, but that that should not disqualify or mitigate the good they've done. Rather, it is to be taken in totality in the assessment of who they are and the legacy they leave. Jesse D. and Brittany P., you are both the non-shittiest parts. <laughs> wow, that's the, that's the sign-off, huh? Mm-hmm. We are both the non-shittiest parts. Thanks, Raina. What would be the the shittiest part? Uh You No. No no guess there. Mm, yeah, I don't know. Anytime Donald Trump talks, I guess. That seems to be a point of contention anytime mm-hmm. we play a Trump clip, which It is upsetting for many people. Spoiler alert, aka uh Trigger warning, I couldn't think of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got a Trump clip today. Yeah. Yes. So um, thank you for the for the email, Raina. I, I, I believe that. I think that it is a, a difficult thing in in uh, to judge someone with the benefit of hindsight, uh, especially where it relates to the the AIDS epidemic, which was look, if if you're if you're old enough to have been a a kid during that time, even a child, even a kid. I mean, I was a kid and I remember being very afraid. Even in my, I mean, of course, in my nutter butter uh, conservative family where I was being told that of course the government wants you to think you can't get AIDS from a mosquito bite. I mean, living in Idaho where the mosquito is practically the state fucking bird it's it was very very frightening it was a big deal <laughs> mm-hmm. so um it's not just i mean listen we know our presidents are not scientists they are policy makers and when my whole thing about, about it is we're first of all let me say up front they for sure fucked it up they botched the response they did not do a good job i'm just not quite as judgmental about it because of the fact that in hindsight we know a shit ton more about AIDS and HIV right now. Back then, no one really knew anything. It was it was considered it was going to be the next global pandemic that could kill everyone. So I'm just more prone to give someone a little bit of slack and not label them some kind of a hate monger, uh, although they for sure had shitty ideas about gays. But let's keep this in mind. I don't know the exact year, but it was in the 70s, for sure in the 70s, that the DSM, the, correct me if I'm wrong, but the, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual mm-hmm. of, of, of Psychological Disorders. It was 1973. 
1973 is when homosexuality... It was removed. ...was removed as a psychological disorder. 1973! Mm -hmm. Those are modern times, everybody. And, and remember, that's just the beginning, right? Because that's just removing the classification from the actual DSM. That's not undoing all of the cultural sanctions that had been put of in course. place, given the... That are still here. Given the pathologizing of homosexuality as a mental disorder. In fact, the thing I read, the vote wasn't overwhelming because they vote about this. It's like there's a committee of thousands of people. Mm -hmm. And it was... It wasn't 50-50, but it was damn close. It was like a 60-40 vote to remove it. So there was still a substantial amount of scientists who wanted homosexuality categorized as a psychological disorder. So these weren't enlightened times. Anyway, um, they for sure fucked it up. Absolutely, 100%. My point was... Is it correct or appropriate or decent to say he's going to burn in hell now? I, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I do know. I, I believe that's it's wrong and um, short-sighted. It's, it's not understanding that we have the benefit of the eyes of 2020, no pun intended, meaning 2019, of, of this era that we live in. We have the benefit of that. Well, they have the benefit of... 1985, 1990, that w lens. Would you give the space for certain populations to make those comments? Yeah. About George H.W. Sure. Bush? Sure. I mean, no, I think I think uh, the burn in hell and all the complete hate and vitriol is misplaced from whomever it comes. Mm -hmm. um, that's not to say that if you actually, like, if you had a partner who died of AIDS and the government did nothing. That's, I mean, fuck, it's hard to, it's hard to say that. Mm -hmm. To come down on somebody for that because they, they're so personally connected to it. So I'm just saying in general, you know, uh, I'm not asking everybody to lionize the guy to, to, to think he's awesome. Yeah, I don't, I, and I don't think that, I don't think you're saying that. And I don't think that you said that last time for sure. No. Um, it sounds like your point was on track with what Reyna was saying. Yeah, which, yeah, which very is, much. Which is kind of accepting all of it, the full view, and kind of giving the full picture. And it kind of aligns with the thread that I read last time, too, where you should be taking into account the negative aspects of people's legacy in addition to the positive aspects so that we don't make the same mistakes, right? Like, right. this actually has an impact on yeah. history. Well, it's all—it's like I said last time. I hope these same people who say he's going to burn in hell also think uh, Barack Obama is going to burn in hell for dropping uh, drone strike air sorties on Yemeni families and not coming around on gay marriage being um, a right like everyone else um, until 2012. I hope those same people hold that same level, um, that same standard for the politicians they vote for than they do for types like George H.W. Bush. Anyway, we, there's one more call on this, and not quite the same position as Reyna. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, it's Marissa. Um, at the risk of disagreeing a bit vehemently, I need to respond to 
how you talked about George H.W. and the AIDS crisis. And yeah, I get it. It wasn't just them. And there were other people saying terrible things. But you also have to understand how it was from our perspective and my community's perspective. I would encourage you to talk to people who survived it as a queer person. Talk to people who are HIV positive and are old enough to remember going through that. And talk to them about all the people that they remember whose voices were not heard. All the lives that were destroyed, not just because they had silence, but because Reagan and Bush not only did nothing, but forbade people from even talking about it. They forbade the Surgeon General from doing anything about an epidemic that ravaged our community. And it was specifically because it was our community. I'm not blaming you, either of you. I'm not saying that looking at both the good and the bad is a bad idea. But when you put it as, when your response to how they handle the AIDS crisis is that the man is flawed, it feels a little underrepresented when we're being asked to feel sorry that a man died who would, did not care when people in my community died, who would not do anything to protect the American citizens who died over 12 years, they could have done something. And instead they chose to not only be silent, but forbid everybody else from doing anything about it. Maybe we should judge someone by their whole life, but don't ask me to feel bad for a man who would not care if I died. Do not ask me to mourn someone who did not mourn us and would not mourn us and thought I deserved to not be a citizen for being an atheist and would put his arm around me and tell me that the way I am is not the way I should choose to live or to be accepted as normal. He may have been nicer and approached it better, supposedly, but it was his silence that killed many people. He and Reagan they could have done something, and they did nothing. And I want you to consider that when you're asking people to consider someone's entire life. Because there were so many people who didn't have their lives considered at all. Well, a couple things uh, to start. First of all, Marissa, thank you for your perspective. Mm -hmm. It's always welcome. Certainly different perspective than mine. You've lived a different life. You've you you have a compendium of understanding of things be because of life experience that I don't have and will never have. Mm -hmm. And that is a a valued perspective here for certain. Couple things though. This seems to always happen, or it seems to happen a lot, where people hear something different than what I said or intended to convey. Are you, are you talking about the being asked to mourn? Yeah. A couple of sentences. Asked to feel sorry that he died. Don't ask me to feel bad. Don't ask me to mourn. Mm -hmm. I'm not asking for any of that from anybody. Mm -hmm. At all. I never said that. Mm -hmm. 
at all. I don't feel that in my heart that someone should feel sorry that he, well, first of all, I don't feel anybody should feel sorry that he died. He was 90 fucking four years old. <laughs> we should be surprised that he was still alive mm-hmm. up until the day that he died. Mm-hmm. But I'm not asking anybody to feel bad or to, to mourn or to, to, to feel sorry. None of that. Those, 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 those feelings I don't really even have. Now, I'm going to have to fact check this because I have a post from you right here where you were <laughs> demanding that everyone join the Facebook watch of George H.W. Bush's funeral right, with you right, on your right, Facebook page. Right. So I take issue with this, sir. Yeah. And listen, I'm obviously not, that didn't happen. I'm, I'm just not, sorry. I'm not, an, I'm not an expert enough to know the intricate history of what went down during the AIDS crisis because I was a kid and haven't done extensive reading about it. But I can tell you this, uh, George W. Bush and Ronald Reagan, as flawed and fucked as they were in so many ways, were as culpable in doing nothing as science was at the time, as doctors, as healers, as psychologists and psychiatrists, as physicians, it's they they were they were handicapped by their era and that's not an excuse but it's something to take into consideration when um thinking about the totality of someone's life well i think that's why it's useful to talk about it like kind of going back to that clint smith thread because When you're talking about it in this context, not only are you making it an issue about the politician that was elected, you're also making it a societal issue that we hadn't done the necessary work cumulatively to actually be of benefit to marginalized communities. Yeah, sure. And you still have that happening today. So in order to teach those lessons of the past from George H.W. Bush's legacy, it is important, like we talked about last time, like what Raina's talking about, like what you're talking about, like the thread that we read talked about, to talk about the totality of the legacy. So yeah. it, it almost sounded like Marissa thought when we were talking about um, the quote-unquote good qualities or the things that people recognized as good, um, that that somehow took away from the flaws and the bad, the terrible oh, things yeah. that were done. Yeah. And, I, and I don't think that that's necessarily true. I think maybe it goes to the heart of what Raina was saying, which is understanding that people are complicated um, and, and trying to paint that picture. Cause again, that's useful too um, so that we can maybe elect better people or we can learn from their mistakes, learn from the mistakes of the past. Um, so I don't know if what I'm saying is making no, it's, sense it's, or it's, if it's, it's applicable, but for sure, for sure, I'm just the entire going into that entire conversation. What was on my mind was the several posts I saw about him burning in hell and just complete dismissal of the man in his life based on you know really no. It was Twitter mostly, so there wasn't extensive writing done about it. It was just. People who are angry and either think they're being cute or, you know, I, I don't know. I, and I just, the two points were that uh, I think it's unhelpful. And and then we'll wrap here. But, and then the other one was, if you're going to be judging George H.W. Bush by that standard, you'd better goddamn well judge uh, Barack Obama 
and 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 judge him by the thousands of deaths of innocent babies and families and mothers you many people i don't mean yeah you many people i mean the people of yemen and pakistan and afghanistan and i'm not even look i've long been a critic of of that kind of bullshit the, the extrajudicial killing of American citizens on foreign soil who the government said were terrorists, which I believe they were. Anyway, well, now it's a rabbit hole, but... Um, well, no, this, this goes to... And I'm not... Listen, let me also say this. Uh, to Marissa's point, I don't disagree with what Marissa's saying. I think we're talking past one another for the most part. I, I, I think that that brings up another important point, though, which is everyone kind of goes into their corners about what is the most important issue for them to defend and highlight in these instances. Sure. And I think that's, again, where the responsibility of journalists comes into play to write responsibly about the legacy of presidents that have died so that one single issue isn't highlighted. It's multiple different failures, right? And successes, that's fine. But multiple different failures to highlight all of the different areas in which presidents can and should improve and not make the same mistakes. And people, the public, should improve and not make the same mistakes. So when you're highlighting the extrajudicial killings, when Marissa is highlighting the response to marginalized communities, all of these things are important um, and play an important role in the discussion, for sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's move on from this topic and something far, far a little more heavy and weighted. And that's our discussion about Baby It's Cold Outside. Uh, <laughs> We're still talking about this? That we have one call about it. Some listeners responding to another listener and, oh, okay. and their particular take on the issue. Okay. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. It's Kelly from New England. Um, I am just calling to respond to Michael's response about baby, it's cold outside. Well, I uh, don't disagree with them that uh, there are certain ways that people take things out of context that at some point were fine. Uh, I have to add a historical note. Uh, they, they, they are incorrect about their assumption that uh, they say, oh, what's in this drink is, is just about, oh, it could be anything and using alcohol as an excuse. Well, since fire water has existed, people have used alcohol as an excuse for sex, there's no doubt about that. Uh, within the context of the song, it wasn't uncommon at the time for men to slip women a mickey for the explicit purpose of having sex with them while they were unconscious, also known as rape. Um, the uh, very fa first trial of the century in America was the Evelyn Nesbitt case, where a man named Stanford White was known for... Um, producing Broadway shows, bankrolling them, and then uh, inviting young chorus girls over to his house where he would drug them unconscious and then rape them. Uh, it was not uncommon. That was in 1906. That case is actually why we have statutory rape laws now, um, because he would usually go for about the 15-year-old girls. But I just need to correct. I know we have kind of people tend to drag a sepia-dipped brush over, like, old-timey things if they were more innocent and things were different then. They really kind of weren't, and uh, I'm probably running out of time, so I'm going to to stop talking now. So, love the show. Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. But Do you have the Taking Care of Biz music on the board? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Is that it? Preemptively. <laughs> taking Care of Biz. All right. Kelly from New England. Taking Care of Biz, everybody. Good time. Time by all. We got the traffic and weather together on the eights here, and I died with Dalamore. 
Um, let me say this. Uh, it, it is it, it is interesting, the, the old-timey vibe, and the people kind of whitewash or use a sepia-tone brush, as she said. And it, it's interesting because if you watch, like, fucking Leave it to Beaver or any of those black-and-white 50 shows, I Love Lucy, mm-hmm. if you think that that's, like, the historical record and that all folks... All married couples actually slept in separate beds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, that's just the, that's how we've, because the media was so weird about, I mean, you didn't hear a toilet flush until like the 60s or something. It's very strange. Until maybe even the 70s. It was the, the, the all in the family was the first toilet flush on TV because it was considered, oh, what? Be still my heart. I can't hear a toilet flush. You know? Yeah. So we we kind of, I think it does skew our perspective on the past Mm -hmm. based on the media representations. Yeah. What's in this drink? For sure. Um, Yeah, that was very impressive, Kelly. Uh, Thank you for calling in and sharing your beautiful brain with all of us. We very much appreciate that. Yes. All right. Uh, Last call. Last listener communication. Uh, we also talked last week, I think it was, it was our taking care of biz. We talked about a father who uh, forced his daughter to walk five miles to school after she got kicked off the bus for the second time for bullying. And uh, this is a response to that. Hey, guys, this is Cameron from Oregon. And I just wanted to make a remark in regards to the good dad. I think Jesse called him a great dad, maybe even, who let his not let, who forced his child, who was a bully, to walk five, five, not one or two, but five miles. I could barely walk five miles as an adult um, to school as a punishment. One thing I'll tell you as somebody who has worked in social services for over 13 years is likely this child, this daughter of his, learned that behavior of bullying from her parents. very likely. And although I don't disagree with having her, like, I, if, I'm a dad. If my kid said I got booted off the school bus, you got to drive me to school, <laughs> I would definitely laugh, and that wouldn't be the case. But I think five miles is a little extreme. Uh, where I would draw the line is what, at the, the developmental or age level, that child generally, like in PE, would be expected to, to jog. And that kid, she looked maybe 10. So I would guess her PE teacher is not saying, like, all right, Sally, go run five miles today for PE. Like, that's that's a bit extreme unless you're, like, planning to be an Olympian, you know, marathoner or join the cross-country team. Um, most kids don't run more than a mile or two. So I think five was a little, a little, a, a little extreme, I guess you could say. Uh but maybe if he had her walk one or two, then drove her the rest of the way and had a conversation with her about why that was the appropriate consequence. And the consequence fit. It fit the, you know, the misbehavior. But by putting it on Facebook, I do agree with Jesse, like, his his uh, questioning whether, like, how that was put out. Because my fear for this child is that other parents and her kids are going to be pointing their finger and now bullying her saying, ha, 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 your dad made you walk by my mile to school and shaming her. 
And so then it just becomes this nasty, ugly, vicious cycle of shaming and bullying. And so that's why I say that I think she probably learned it at home because although dad thinks he's doing a great thing by putting this video out and saying, look how I think I'm a great dad, this, this punishment fit the crime or this consequence was well thought out by me. Uh, really, like, no, it wasn't, bro. Like, people are going to now poke fun at your daughter and and you <laughs> and criticize you, like I'm doing, um, for it being a little extreme. So I just think, I mean, I could see both sides of it, but um, yeah, have your kid walk a mile or two and have a good conversation with them. Anyway, I love the show, and, of course, Brittany, you're the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Well, thank you for the call. And yeah, I, I when when um, it was highlighted there, the cross country thing, if a kid was joining co- cross country, um, I think that the kid was like 11 or 12. I, yeah. I, I don't remember. So I think also she walked to school. She didn't run. To, she wasn't forced to run to school. Yeah, I think <laughs> that, walking. I think she was in middle school. Yeah. And there are kids who join cross country in middle school. Yeah. So they are running a long, a long distance like that. Um, that, that I, I, don't think I doubt that any harm, any physical harm came to the girl for walking five miles. I, I just I doubt. Yeah. And I, I want to say definitely when we talked about at the end of the segment about it being on Facebook, we've we've long talked about the idea of sharenting. And uh, that is parents sharing their parenting <laughs> on Facebook, including pictures of their kids. And, and oversharing their children's lives. Right. Yeah. To, to the point where, like, people know about their health conditions, their mental health conditions. Like, they just don't have privacy anymore. If you want to hear previous talk about it, just go to the website, dollamore.com, and slash share and search, not slash. Ready to give an Amazon promo. Uh, dollamore.com and search um charentine and uh episodes will pop up we, there was quite the arc where people were pissed off about what we said so yes that is <laughs> correct um but yeah i mean i i think it's i think it's a leap to say that this is probably where she learned bullying at home i don't know um i also i don't think well, it's one of those things where it could be but to put it as most likely i don't know that we have that information yeah, I don't know. It sh- for sure, could be. I mean, I could see that for sure, but we don't know that. Yeah, I don't know. There's not enough information. And I I don't know if the social service history was highlighted to indicate something about, like, that this is verging on abuse or something like that. But in in my field, I have been advised to, if I am, encounter a situation... To imagine myself making the actual call to Child Protective Services and explaining what it is that I have found and to like imagine myself going through the process of making that phone call because going through the process of imagining will help you to realize whether you're, you have reasonable suspicion um, and that, that it is strong enough to warrant breaking the confidentiality and making a child abuse report. And I, I have made those phone calls as well. And so I know what what it's like to be explaining what's going on in the yeah, case yeah. and to answer the particular questions that you're asked. And this would just not be one of those cases where I think it would go anywhere. You know, I think that you could 
make the call, but I don't think that anything would happen if you were to make the call. I don't think it rises to that level. I don't know if that was the allegation on the call. I didn't quite hear that, but I just wanted to highlight that point. Yeah, listen, I, I don't, I don't fully disagree. I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what Cameron said. Um, I also disagree. So it's one of those deals where you, you also last episode, I was kind of in real time coming to some of the conclusions I was drawing, like at the end about the Facebook thing. How the fuck did this get on Facebook? Because I think that's shitty. Mm-hmm. I think that's not being a good parent. Mm-hmm. But unfo- you know, being a bad parent isn't illegal. Well, for sure. In fact, it's common. Because what Cameron said about a student seeing it and then it causing problems, I mean, that is very likely. It went viral. So if another parent at the school sees it and shows their kid and it's ha ha, oh, look at this, you know, I mean, yeah, that's that is terrible. That's to think of that is very terrible. Well, the other thing Cameron said that I think is is super valid is the fact that this could be a guy could be a guy who is like, look at me, I'm being such a great parent because I'm, you know, this corporal punishment type of thing, this, you know, baton death march type of situation with my kid. Mm -hmm. It's the the same thing you hear people all the time who spank their kids and act like they're really, I'm a noble parent because I'm hitting my kids. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's just a different point of view, a different way of looking at things. And where I, you know, I don't think walking five miles is a a big deal, Mm -hmm. you know. It's not like she's on crutches or something. She's a healthy kid from all we know. So Yeah, she didn't appear to be crying and like bending over. Yeah, again, it's one of those situations where we just briefly talked about it and because we don't know the details. We're not gonna know the details. So everything we're doing is pretty much just speculation. I remember one time I had to walk to Saturday school and walk back home from Saturday school. And Saturday school, huh? Yeah. And good students. Mm. <laughs> And the night before, I didn't know it until the next day, um, but my appendix was exploding. And uh, the night that I, before Saturday school, I was in a lot of pain. I woke up. I was in a lot of pain. I could hardly walk to Saturday school, made it all the way through, had to walk home, couldn't even stand up straight. I was literally bent over holding my side and walked all the way home. It was terrible. I wish someone would have helped me. <laughs> no one did, though. There was no Facebook at the time. I know. <laughs> How sad. All right. Listen, everybody. Thank you for your calls. Thank you for the listener communication, for helping us move the conversation. We, we think what we do here, well, we know what we do here is different than normal podcasts. We know that... Uh, the way we tackle issues is a little different. We appreciate your participation very, very much. Uh, if you too would like to sound off about these topics or anything else that we talk about on this show or any other, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Okay, one piece of follow-up. Good news uh, before we move on with the rest of the program. And that is related to a conviction surrounding the death of Heather Heyer. The breaking news from Charlottesville, Virginia tonight. There is a verdict in the trial of a man who drove his car into counter-protesters at that white nationalist rally, killing a young woman. ABC's Ariel Reshef with the verdict. Tonight, that guilty verdict for the man who plowed his car into a crowd at a Unite the Right rally in Charlottesville. 
killing one woman and injuring nearly three dozen others. James Fields convicted of first-degree murder in the death of 32-year-old Heather Heyer. Fields seen here in 2017, speeding through that group of people, then erratically backing up. A state jury rejecting arguments by Fields' attorneys that the 21-year-old acted in self-defense, quote, scared to death by the violent protests. A far different picture painted by the prosecution, pointing to images of Fields marching with Vanguard America, a known white supremacist group. Chanting a message of white power just before that fatal ramming. And David, jurors also convicted Fields on several other charges. He now faces up to life in prison and is due to be sentenced on Monday. David. Ariel, thank you. So this was obviously very good news. I think. Yeah. And the reaction on social media was very positive as well. And we're we're starting to see consequences for these people. I did see that. Uh, what was his name? Christopher Cantwell, the crying Nazi. The, the crying Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. He made a threat after this news of the conviction. He said that he promises a violent retribution, a quote, complete and total destruction by an army of fanatics ready to die for their cause. Does anybody take that that jerk off seriously? Well, again, remember Mr. Cry guy who was gonna uh, was gonna go to jail and just crumpled into a mess of tears because he couldn't handle it. Yeah. Now we don't want to get emails from people, so we're not criticizing him because he's a man who cried. Please, don't, no, don't send us emails. It's the it's, I'm a tough fucking man. Wait, I'm gonna go to jail. Oh my god. Jail. Right. He was at the Charlottesville yeah. rally acting like a madman with guns and being very radical. He was interviewed on Vice and it was it was really intense yeah. to watch. I think that he anyway, I won't comment on that. So he <laughs> <laughs> now he's threatening he's making threats because yeah. they are unhappy that the person who was responsible for killing Heather Heyer has a punishment is receiving a punishment he's upset yeah i don't know what he's going to try to to arrange because he's banned from the state of virginia for like five years mm-hmm. banned from the state which i don't even know there's a legal thing you can do but that's what the judge told him yeah banned from the state mm-hmm. <laughs> oh what a fucking joke so anyway that is good news yeah that's good news well and we have another related follow-up piece for another far-right person, Gavin McGinnis. Oh, yeah. I didn't have this on the board. I'm glad you brought it up. So CRTV is the station that he had his show on, his Get Off My Lawn show, which I'm sure is so great and profound. Oh, yeah. Uh, Well, Blaze merged with CRTV. That's something that happened. Blaze is obviously Glenn Beck's organization. It merged with CRTV and became Blaze TV. Yeah, which is um, Mark Levin. Mm-hmm. His his deal. Yeah, CRTV is Mark Levin. Yeah. So, they advertise on my YouTube videos a lot. So less than a week after that happened, after the merge between those two happened, they announced that they no longer have a relationship with Gavin McGinnis. Quote, yeah. Blaze Media no longer has a relationship with Gavin McGinnis and per company policy cannot comment on personnel matters. Yeah. So we don't know what happened, but it doesn't look good that um, all that stuff happened with the Proud Boys in New York. Yeah. And Gavin McGinnis just announced that he is leaving the Proud Boys. Yeah. Listen, I, Glenn Beck is a dipshit. To be certain, 
is a dipshit. However, I don't think he wants to be in league with literal white supremacists, mm-hmm. actual overt white supremacists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's just okay with being in league with people who are in league with. Because Mark Levin, he didn't have any problem with it. Is Glenn Beck concerned with uh, giving a platform to white supremacists, or does he just not want one of his microphones to end up in Gavin McGinnis's asshole? <laughs> oh, I think we just found the end drop, everybody. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I'm not sure about... Ah, because that's what my McGinnis does. That is what he does. And if you don't believe me, just do a Google search yeah. in an incognito window. And <laughs> uh, Vic Berger has uh, put it in one of his videos as well. So yeah. you'll, you'll see. God bless Vic Berger doing yeoman's work over there. Gavin McGinnis with his body positivity, you know. And his bleached asshole. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for, for joining us for the beginning of the show. And now we're going to move on to the next portion of our venerable program. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you by way of Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. Can you guys believe that it is already... December, already almost the middle of December. Yeah. Almost 2019. Unbelievable. We're moving into approaching the next election cycle. There are big things coming, and we're so happy to have you guys supporting us. And support looks many different ways. You can support us on Patreon. Yes. You can support us on PayPal. Yes. You can support us by shopping on Amazon at dollamore.com slash Amazon. Yes. You can support us by writing a review on iTunes with no profanity. You can also support us by liking our Facebook page, I Doubt It with Dollamore Podcast, liking the links that we post on the Facebook page, including to the podcast episode. You can subscribe to Jesse's YouTube channel, Dollamore. You can also follow us all on Twitter at Dollamore, at Brittany E. Page, at I Doubt It Podcast. All of those are perfectly beautiful ways to support us and the show. So if you've done all of those things, you need a gold star. Your job is done. <laughs> you need a gold star. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you who needs a gold star. You for that magnificent plug. Mm. Unscripted, off the top of your head, rambling plug. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good time. Well, rambling isn't very nice. How dare you? Well, you know, I only speak the truth, Brittany Page. But also, we love hearing from you guys. And another way to support us is by communicating with us. We like to hear you guys and uh, your thoughts. So 657-464-7609. And I doubt it at dollamore.com. We love it when we hear from people for the first time, especially when people are saying, hey, I've listened to you for three years. I've never written in. Hi, I exist. Yeah, long time listener, first time caller. Yeah, th- those are always <laughs> the the best things to receive. And, and from people who write to us regularly, we're not forgetting about you, too. We love you guys, too. So so, so let, let me say this before I don't know what you're getting ready to go into, but um, we are going to do another listener Patreon supporter contest where someone 
co-host the show with us. Yes, we are. We're going to do that. Uh, it'll be probably the first of the year. Yeah. So we've got about three weeks here mm-hmm. for you to become a Patreon supporter and then be entered in. Um, we'll send an email out. You either, you'll, you come back with, I don't know how we did it last time, but. Yeah, I send you know, an email out to everybody that is currently um, active on Patreon. And then you have the option of opting in. Right. You, you don't just automatically in. get entered. Right. Because we know that there are people who are supporting us that do not want any part of that. And <laughs> right. we, that's totally fair. We get it. So you, it is something that you opt into by responding to the message, which I will send out tomorrow. That's right. On uh, December 10th. So uh, you have to be an active Patreon supporter for that to be the case. And you're you're entered if you so choose. The other thing that we're going to do, we're going to get a date set here very soon. And that is going to be a live call-in episode mm-hmm. that we may or may not stream on YouTube. I'm not sure what we want to do with that yet. Yeah. But we're going to be scheduling that too. And that's always a real good time. Yeah. So, Thank you, guys. We love you. We appreciate you. One thing I want to say really quick about the contest that you have to opt into. If you become a new Patreon supporter during those three weeks, I will also be sending you the message. So I'll be monitoring who becomes a new Patreon supporter to make sure that everyone who wants to get in on the contest will have that opportunity. So if you're like, oh, wait a minute, you're sending it tomorrow. What the hell? I'm going to become a Patreon supporter next week. I see you. And I will send it to you. Don't you worry. Brittany Page is on top of her shit. Mm-hmm. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So the big news this last week was, came on Friday. Prosecutors have now implicated. Ah. <sighs> It's so good. It is so good because we've come so far since the the final days of the Trump campaign leading into his presidency when all of these ding-dongs, no, president's not even under investigation. Donald Trump's not under investigation. And here we are now, and prosecutors have absolutely 100% implicated Trump in two crimes from the 2016 campaign. Federal prosecutors are implicating the president of the United States in two federal crimes during the 2016 presidential campaign. The stunning new memos give us an unprecedented look into the probe and say former attorney Michael Cohen acted, I'm quoting now, at the direction of Donald Trump. When he committed campaign finance violations for hush money payments to adult film star Stormy Daniels and former Playboy model Karen McDougal, But it doesn't stop there. Special counsel Robert Mueller also believes the Trump Tower project in Moscow is relevant to Russia's 2016 meddling. And it's not just a matter of Cohen lying about the timeline. All of this happening as Mueller says former Trump campaign chairman Paul Manafort lied about five major things, including how long he stayed in touch with White House officials after he was indicted. Mueller indicating communication was going on as recently as this year. 
All right, let's get right to it now. CNN politics reporter Jeremy Herb is on uh, the president being implicated in two federal crimes now. Good to see you. So what more can you tell us? Yeah, that's right, Fred. You know, this was one of the most revealing windows we've had so far into what the Mueller investigation has uncovered. And what's most significant here is that for the first time, the prosecutors from the U.S. Attorney's Office in Manhattan said that Trump directed Cohen to commit crimes during the campaign when he asked women and paid women not to speak about the alleged affairs with Trump. Now, the big looming question is, what does this mean for the president? Trump tweeted last night that the filing clears the president, but he is implicated in these crimes that Cohen committed. Now, the DOJ has not accused the president of a crime and has said that, in fact, a sitting president cannot be indicted. But this is certainly a matter that Congress is going to take up once Democrats take back the House next month. Now, in addition to the talk about the women, uh, Friday's filings revealed that new contacts between Michael Cohen and Russians as part of the Trump Tower Moscow project early on in the campaign. And what Mueller did here was he connected the Trump Tower Moscow project, which was pursued in 2015 and into 2016, with questions about Russian election meddling, saying that Trump stood to benefit business-wise had the project gone forward and that discussions were ongoing at the same time that Russia was actively meddling in the election. Now, prosecutors recommended a substantial sentence for Cohen as part of uh, this memo last night after Cohen's attorneys had hoped that he would get no prison time and requested that on their side. Um, Cohen is facing charges of tax fraud, campaign finance violations that are tied to these payments to women, and also lying to Congress about the Trump Tower Moscow project. He's set to be sentenced next month, Fred. All right, Jeremy Herb, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Now, there are three things here that are a big, big deal or that are individually three big deals. (laughs) One is that Donald Trump directed, well, let me rephrase it. Michael Cohen acted at the direction of Donald J. Trump related to the campaign finance illegalities of paying off his mistresses, which benefited the campaign and will be considered an in-kind contribution. And don't forget, Rudy Giuliani, actually, during an interview with Sean Hannity, <laughs> said... What did he do? He Well, this was a while ago, but he said out of his mouth, quote, imagine if it came out on October 15th, 2016, in the middle of the last debate with Hillary Clinton. Cohen didn't even ask. Cohen made it go away. He did his job. End quote. So yeah. what Rudy Giuliani's implying there is imagine if it had come out that everyone knew that Donald Trump paid Stormy Daniels to keep her quiet for this affair. Imagine what would have happened. That's right. Well, what would have happened, Rudy? W- was this action taken beca- at the discretion uh, or at the direction of individual one because it would have hurt his campaign and he wouldn't have been president? Can I just say I love the individual one memes? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It is pretty great. Mm-hmm. But also, it was weird. The tweet that they referenced by President Trump. Oh, wow. The, wow. I don't know why that just happened. It doesn't even sound good coming out of your mouth. By Donald Trump. Uh, he tweeted. President Trump. <laughs> he tweeted. <laughs> That's actually kind of impressive. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do that. So he tweeted after all this came out, uh, totally clears the president. Thank you. (laughs) That was the tweet. Yeah. Totally. No context. Do you want to know how many likes and retweets it has? Oh, I would love to know. 110,000 likes. 
and almost 23,000 retweets. A lot of those are ironic retweets. Uh, But a lot of them are not. For sure they're not. But there's a lot that are like, yeah, what a dingbat this guy is. Okay. Well, I would also like to say uh, this was the worst sentence that I read out of all of this in the aftermath of the Michael Cohen stuff, just everything this whole weekend. From the Washington Post, quote, the White House is adopting what one official termed a shrugged shoulders strategy for the Mueller findings, calculating that most GOP based voters will believe whatever the president tells them to believe. And you see this in this tweet, right? Yeah. All he has to do is tweet totally clears the president. Thank you. Now, Fox News anchors, commentators have their talking points. They go out like the good little soldiers they are, and they inform the GOP base that, to, that he was vindicated. Right, that there's no problem. Yeah, and so they believe that no matter what happens, no matter what the findings are, they're going to be able to convince them that it's no big deal and that everything's going to be fine. Because Fox News is the network of the President of the United States. Now, how Fox News is the network of the. Advice I have to give you now is don't talk to the FBI. That's Fox News. How insulting is that? Yeah. How insulting are these conversations that are happening behind closed doors? You know, a lot of people in the flyover areas, right, like to talk about how these uppity elitist liberals yeah, point their noses. Elites. Right. But really, Donald Trump is saying that it doesn't matter because you're going to believe whatever he says. You're going to eat it up. Well, even last week when it was reported that he says, well, I don't give a fuck about the debt. Because once it comes to, once uh, once it really blows up, I'm going to be gone. It's not going to be my problem anymore. And he knows that his base is so fucking stupid Trump, baby. that they don't care. That nothing Donald Trump does will change their minds. You know people personally on Facebook mm-hmm. who write <laughs> these type of things. Yeah. That nothing that gets revealed mm-hmm. about Donald Trump and his behavior will change their support of Donald Trump. Yeah, I made the mistake of commenting on that exact post. And th- because this same person that posted that has also recently been talking about how they want to debate people, but there's no point. And then they post this about how it doesn't matter what is found, that they are going to support the president no matter what. Yeah. Well, why are you even talking about wanting to debate? Why are you even pretending that you can be changed by information? You can't and you won't. And that's really sad. That should be something that's like embarrassing. (laughs) That should be something that's embarrassing to admit. Right? Yeah, for sure. But, you know, this guy doesn't get embarrassed. Donald Trump, baby! So the second thing that I want to talk about that I think is maybe the most important and most damning is the fact that Mueller believes... And when you hear those words talked about in reporting that Mueller believes something, it doesn't mean that, ah, I think it's likely. It means he believes it for reason, that he has, whether it be direct evidence of or access to national security intelligence that leads him to believe so. Because he's not going to make claims that he can't back up. That's exactly right. That Mueller believes the Trump Tower deal is relevant to Russia's meddling. Those few words right there are going to fuck Donald Trump. They are a bummer for Donald Trump right now. That there is a direct link now. That the, What this tells me, and I'm speculating here, but I think it's based on, on w- what is true, 
that what this tells us is that there is demonstrable proof that Mueller possesses that Russia meddled and that there's a direct link to the Trump Tower Moscow deal. That's a big, big deal that is, like I said, it's going to fuck Donald Trump. Well, and also, if you want to take away just like a brief talking point, then all you need to remember is that for the first time on Friday, when all of this came out with Michael Cohen's sentence recommendation, um, federal prosecutors said that Michael Cohen acted at the direction of Donald Trump and committed two election-related crimes Yes, at the direction of Donald Trump. So like you said, when you started off this whole um, segment that Donald Trump has been implicated in two crimes, yeah, we currently have a president who has been implicated in two felonies. Yeah. That's what we have right now. It's a big deal. At least two. That's right. And then the other thing that's a big deal, maybe not quite as big as the the Russia deal, is the fact that... Republicans are rushing to take care of biz to address this issue with the Uh, current sitting president. No. Oh. That's not going to happen for several months. Oh. Once the writing is on the wall... And the dam starts to crack. It's not just a crack. Once the, it's not something you can just stick your finger in or a wad of hubba bubba <laughs> bubble gum to 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 plug the dam, the the leak in the dam. Uh-huh. Then they will, but not not until then. So mm. it's the fact that Manafort was in communications with the White House through May of 2018. What? That's this year. Th- that is acting. In unbelievable brazenness, because he has to know they're going to fucking find out. The reason he's doing it, though, the only reason I can think of, well, there's one of two. It's either he is a fucking buffoon, the dumbest man on the planet, or that he is really jockeying for a pardon. The problem with that explanation is that he also faces a myriad of state charges which can't be pardoned. So I don't know what his play is here. Maybe it's just on the off chance that he doesn't get prosecuted in a state court. Anyway, I don't know. But all in all, it was a good week um, for America. One step closer to a finalized uh, situation with all of this. One step closer to indicting Donald Trump Jr., <laughs> Which really is going to be the linchpin here. That's going to be what. That's going to be the Jenga piece that the whole fucking thing falls. Because I believe it's also going to be the thing that motivates Donald Trump to maybe do something. If anything is going to do it, it's either threatening the daughter that he wants to bang, or the son who he hates to love. Yeah, I can't make any predictions. So I'll, that's, that's all I got. I'll let you do that. Predictions. Yeah. And then the other thing uh, that we're not going to get to because we're going to end up having uh, a 12-hour show is the fact that uh, (laughs) uh, James Comey testified before the House, which also was kind of worthless because they're... No, 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 no. There were very important topics that were covered. Um, (laughs) Do you want to read? Okay, how about this? Hillary Clinton's private email server. No, 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 no. Let's... The tarmac meeting between Loretta Lynch and Bill Clinton. Let's do this. 
I won't play his little impromptu presser where he talked to the media. Mm-hmm. And we can read some of the the interactions that he had with certain congressmen. Perfect. Well, I want to talk about the other very important issues that he was asked about. Uh, the affair between the lovers, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. Mm. You know, the lovers. Pivotal information that's necessary. Yeah. And then the anti-Trump texts that were shared you know those anti-trump texts i haven't heard anything about those that didn't get covered at all yeah they're really for sure needed that information they're breaking some news here (laughs) and then of course the steel dossier was also covered so you know even though james comey wrote about a lot of this in his memoir they felt like they were uncovering a lot of secrets (laughs) yeah yeah it's the house it's the house republicans yeah so yeah, some of these some of these little bits were pretty funny. Um, I'm going to read this one where he had an exchange with a Mr. Ratcliffe. Okay, um, so Mr. Ratcliffe asked, "Do you still think that the answer that you gave me on September 28th of 2016 was an accurate statement, Mr. Comey?" I do, Mr. Ratcliffe. Do you think that the statement was at all misleading to me or other members of Congress, Mr. Comey? I guess I can't speak to your mental state. It wasn't intended to be misleading. <laughs> He may as well have answered with this. What a stupid question that is. <laughs> oh. You got a couple others, right? Yes. Yeah, so I Ms. love I love these. Yeah. Mr. Ratcliffe, so as you've already mentioned, one of the things you thought might happen or you wanted to find out was whether or not Hillary Clinton might lie during that interview. Knowingly making a false statement to the FBI is a co- crime, correct? Mr. Comey, that is correct. Mr. Ratcliffe, making a false public statement ordinarily is not a crime, correct? Mr. Comey, that is correct. Thank goodness for a lot of people. <laughs> He brought his snark game. Mm-hmm. That's good. Who was he talking about? I don't know. Maybe himself. Yeah, who was he referencing there? <laughs> who was he talking about? <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, this is a Mr. Nadler now questioning him. Now, you may have answered this already, but one specific assertion is that you and Special Counsel Mueller are, quote, best friends. <laughs> On September 5th, President Trump brought up Special Counsel Mueller in an interview with the Daily Caller stating, quote, and he's Comey's best friend. I could give you a hundred pictures of him and Comey hugging and kissing each other. You know he's Comey's best friend. Close quote. Are you best friends with Robert Mueller? (laughs) Mr. Comey? I am not. I admire the heck out of the man, but I don't know his phone number. I've never been to his house. I don't know his children's names. I think I had a meal once alone with him in a restaurant. I like him. I'm not a... I'm not an... I'm an associate of his who admires him greatly. We're not friends in any social sense. Mr. Nadler, thank you. I will not ask whether you've ever hugged and kissed him. Mr. Comey, a relief to my wife. (laughs) Jerry Nadler is the incoming judiciary chairman of the House. So that means he is uh, a Democrat, Mm -hmm. which there's a lot of snark packed in there. And that's great. Yes. So I, I guess that they were they were having a little bit of fun, which you you should have when you're unnecessarily asked to come in and talk about topics that you've already endlessly talked about and have already endlessly been talked about in many investigations. Well, and it was it was unnecessary for the fact that it, it is a it's a, a a feckless Congress. It is a, a a lame duck Congress. It is a powerless Congress. They're leaving. They're getting ready to go out of session for the rest of the holiday. Um, and the the Republican. What are they going to do? In the next, in the next uh, twenty-one or twenty-five days, mm-hmm. what are the Republicans going to accomplish 
going to accomplish that they haven't accomplished over the course of the last two fucking years. Nothing. Mm -hmm. This is showboating. This is for the public. Mm -hmm. Now, Comey may or may not be brought back under the Democrats. I, I really hope they don't. I think they need to really chase the leads that they need to, chase the leads that they think they can make some ground with. And I don't know that um, this is where it's at. I, I think there is an argument to be made. I'm not sure if I'm totally sold on it, but there isn't. I, I believe that it, there is validity to leaving the Russia investigation to Robert Mueller. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But certainly um, provide oversight of the Trump administration relative to his cabinet and all the other chicanery that goes on mm-hmm. on a daily basis. Yeah. Th- they need to do that. So that... Is that, with the exception of, um, we're just going to briefly talk about it, and that's the fact that John Kelly will be out of the White House by the end of the year. Which Donald, we'll just, I'll let Donald Trump explain it. John Kelly will be leaving, I don't know if I can say retiring, but he's a great guy. Uh, John Kelly will be leaving uh, at the end of the year. We'll be announcing who will be taking John's place. It might be on an interim basis. I'll be announcing that over the next day or two, but John will be leaving at the end of the year. He's been with me almost two years now, as you know, between the two positions. So uh, we're probably going to see him in a little while. But John Kelly, ready? Are you ready? So John Kelly will be leaving toward the end of the year, at the end of the year. And I appreciate his service very much. Thank you. Thank you all. You hear him being a dick there. Mm-hmm. He he's finished saying what he's saying, and then yeah. they, they go to ask him questions, and he's like, eh, eh, "Are you ready? Are you ready?" Like he hasn't finished saying what he's saying. Yeah, and then he just fucking repeats himself like a goddamn moron. Yeah. So this is also he he's misrepresenting it because there are reports from multiple people with inside information yeah. into what's going on that like they're no longer speaking. <laughs> That's a big deal. Yeah, that they are not even talking. That's how that's how strained their relationship is. The, the other super transparent bullshit move here he did is that, you know, he's been with me for two years between the two positions. He was he was the, the secretary of Homeland Security before he was the chief of staff. Mm-hmm. It, it, Donald Trump's trying to make it seem like he has people who stay in their positions for a long time. Right. When, in fact, there's record turnover with this administration. Mm-hmm. So listen. If you think things are chaotic right fucking now with John Kelly, who is the most disciplined person within the White House, just wait. Just wait until there isn't or there's an interim or whatever, because the next person he gets isn't going to be the caliber. And I say that with a lot of trepidation because I don't have a lot of respect for John Kelly anymore, maybe any respect for John Kelly anymore. Um it's going to be a wild ride going forward with whoever he picks. We well, also have to be suspicious of whoever he picks because they're they don't care about everything that's being reported. I mean, they're ready right. to, they're ready to go down with the ship. So <sighs> that's you, a good point. you have to wonder what's wrong with that person. <laughs> yeah. What's, yeah, that's true, what's in for it sure. for that person to get involved and and not care? Seeing everything that's happening right now. Right. And still accept the job. That's Right. 
Because I tell That's you right kamikaze now, style. Sarah Huckabee Sanders is not going to come out of this. Like if she was looking to Sean Spicer and thinking, oh, haha, he lied and he got to be on the Golden Globe stage or whatever show he was on. And everyone had like playful interactions. He got to be interviewed by Stephen Colbert. And like, that's not going to happen for you. Yeah. That's not going to happen for you. You're tainted. Yeah, you don't get that. Yeah. I don't know why he got that. I don't know. I don't know that why he, he did that. get that. I mean, oh, you mean the Golden Globes thing? Yeah, he got he got special treatment for sure. Like he, you know, he got to laugh at it and go on Jimmy Kimmel and have a playful interaction. Yeah. Uh, I don't think that Sarah Sil or whoa Sarah Huckabee <laughs> Sanders will get that. Whoa. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And yeah. she shouldn't. She shouldn't. We will see because the time's coming. For that. Time is coming. It's the asshole of today. Rhode Island's Cranston School District. Cranston School District. Yeah. They, what did they do? They have turned over... Can I say this? Okay. I love when the, the asshole of today or the taking care of biz comes... While a clip is running, mm-hmm. and the mu- mics get muted for a second, and you tell me, "Hey, I have one." I'm like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, because I don't know. Well, you're about to learn. I don't know what this is. You know, you would have learned what they did about 45 seconds ago, but then you interrupted. But I like for the audience to be a little bit more understanding of how the sausage uh, is made. Perfect. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's why I do that. So Rhode Island's <laughs> Cranston School District, <laughs> they have hired a collection agency to recover unpaid student lunch balances. Uh, one of these. Yeah. They sent a letter to parents letting them know that they have hired this agency to attempt to collect on the balances. Um and they're going to be sending these letters to parents who owe $20 or more and who haven't paid off the balance within 60 days. So that doesn't seem like a lot. It's a dick move, man. Lunch at the school costs $2.50 per day. And uh, for middle school and high school students, it's $3.25 a day. And they said that between September 1st, 2016 and June 30th, 2018, the school district wrote off $95,000 in uh, student school lunch debt. And the unpaid balance for the current academic year is almost $46,000. There's got to be a better solution. Yeah. All school lunch should be free. Yeah. That is the solution to this problem. If you are... It's part of school. If you're captive there, mm-hmm. you should be fed as well. I think also a substantial number of families qualify for free or reduced school lunch. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the majority that qualify for free or reduced. I price. was on it as a kid. Me too. Um, throughout my entire, I was school mortified year. by it because it was obvious who was on free and reduced. Yeah, that's a bummer too. And I hope that it's not like that anymore. It wasn't like that for me, I don't think. Um, but yeah, that should for sure not be something that happens. But listen, if a majority of families qualify for free or reduced school lunch, it shouldn't be that difficult to then just change that majority to everybody. Um, you're, yeah. you're already partially there. So what is it? What do you got to do to do this? Because you can't have 
kids that are being turned away because they have unpaid balances. You can't have kids receiving letters that their parents need to pay. Nah, it's what you do. You hire the, the, the collection agency goon squad to track these parents down, these fucking deadbeat parents. Ugh. Yeah, it's just really tragic. Lame. Yeah. All right. Anything else? That is all. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. This has been episode 471. Here's what we talked about, everybody. I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Here's the recap that's going to take 15 minutes. Seriously, we love you. We'd love to hear from you. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email those voice memos from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We want to hear from you. We want to have you help us move the conversation forward. It is important. It is a, a cornerstone of the show and how we operate. So until next time, we will see you. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. Or does he just not want one of his microphones to end up in Gavin McGinnis's asshole? <laughs> oh, I think we just found the end drop, everybody. 